text for this morning's sermon is Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13 verse 2. I'll be reading uh, Hebrews 13 verses 1 to 6. So Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and that the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now text again, verse 2. Uh, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Well, dear congregation and our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I grew up knowing that my granddad and my grandma were a wonderful, uh, godly couple. They're a fantastic witness to me of how a Christian ought to live as I grew up. Well, as I got older, I found out that they had been involved in, in the work of Wycliffe here in New Zealand. Um, if you don't know what Wycliffe is, it's this uh, fantastic organization that trains up and, and sends out missionaries uh, all across the world. Well, my grandparents began and were involved in this organization here in New Zealand for 40 years. And during that time, uh, they hosted many missionaries from different countries. Now, many missionaries uh, would come back uh, to New Zealand for a break to either tell the churches about the work that they were up to or um, garner support for the work that they were doing. And often they'd stay at my grandparents' house for days or even weeks at a time. Their home was open to everyone. Now, that was what I grew up hearing about. I grew up determined to do the same. At my wedding, my, my granddad got up and he gave a speech. And unfortunately, the only thing I remember him saying, uh, but the only thing I remember him saying was, I pray that your home would always have an open door for families and friends uh, to strangers you don't even know, that your home might be always joyful and the love of the Lord present in your house that others might experience it and rejoice in the Lord as well. Now, as Christians, we're connected to past generations of the faith, not just familial, but in the family of faith. And, and here in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews has gone to great lengths to show that uh, Jesus Christ's supreme sacrifice, His sacrificial work on the cross, that Jesus Christ in that work has saved us from our sins once and for all. It's because of that. Jesus 
finished work on the cross. That the, the author here in Hebrews 13 spells out for us just how that work of Jesus Christ should then impact the way that we live our lives. The knowledge and belief in Jesus' saving work done once and for all time should lead Christians to live out the gospel in their lives. Now, I already mentioned earlier the two greatest commands of all, love God and love your neighbor. These two commands are, as one theologian put it, the two beams of the cross of Christ. The cross is made of those two beams. Uh, one of them is, is vertical, showing our restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the other one is horizontal, whereby Christ and His work on the cross restores our relationship with our fellow man. Both of these beams are important. While the vertical beam, our, our relationship with God is of first of, of primary importance, it also forms the basis for the horizontal beam, that is our relationship with our fellow man. Now, if you neglect that work of Jesus Christ, which restores your relationship with your fellow man, you stand condemned before God. The two beams of the cross are inseparably joined. You don't have one without the other. And so we see here in Hebrews 13 verse 1, it says, Let brotherly love continue. For how? Verse 2 calls you to show brotherly love to others through hospitality. So the theme for this morning's sermon is express God's love for others through your hospitality. Express God's love for others through your hospitality. And we'll consider this theme in three points. Firstly, why be hospitable? Secondly, who do you host? And then thirdly, the gospel comes with a house key. So firstly, why be hospitable? Well, verse 2 says, uh, do not neglect hospitality. This is a command that is given based on the work of Jesus Christ who has welcomed us into God's family. It's something you must do as a Christian. It's not that you need to do this to be saved. Jesus Christ, as we've already heard, has already died on the cross for your sins and you're already a part of God's family. But now you're called to show hospitality precisely because you are a part of God's family. It's based on the command to love your neighbor, and so it's part of your life of holiness as a believer. In the early church, uh, hospitality was a vital part of the work of spreading the gospel. Just like it is uh, for many of us today, back then, uh, the idea of welcoming someone into your house uh, was a foreign concept, someone outside of your immediate family. If you did that, you're thought to be crazy. But here, the author calls them, that immediate audience, and by implication, you and, and me, to share all that we have with others. Scripture tells us already, doesn't it, that, that all that we have already uh, belongs to the Lord and that we're to be good stewards of what we have. Well, do you believe that? Because if you do, you will use what God has given you in His service. 
loving your brothers and sisters in Christ by showing them hospitality, that's exactly what Jesus prays for in John 17. It builds unity within the church locally and all over the world. The gospel is not just a call to be nice to your neighbor and then hold them off at arm's length. No, you're called to welcome them into your most sacred place, welcome them into your home. This one says there, let brotherly love continue. Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians that faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Love of God is shown through love of neighbor. The greatest act of, of love that we can show to anyone is to welcome them into our homes because that is the heart, that's, that's the hub of our very busy lives. Now, brothers and sisters, you might be thinking of the cost of having people over every week and that it's uh, more food and it's more time uh, taken away from when you could be resting. But whatever you're thinking, the benefits of hospitality far outweigh the costs. Because through hospitality, you cultivate fellowship, you cultivate friendship, you, you make more deeper and, and more meaningful relationships with your brothers and sisters in the church. Having visitors and, and unbelievers over will encourage them in faith, or it'll encourage them to come to faith. put this command positively, remember to show hospitality. The author is calling Christians to be intentional in our hospitality. Even if, it, if you know it's your duty to be hospitable, well, don't forget to actually do it. Get into a good habit of it. Don't let your feelings dictate whether or not you would have people over. Otherwise, you won't do it. You might be tired. You might feel overwhelmed at the thought of how much work is involved uh, or whatever you're thinking about having people over. Hospitality is more of an attitude than it is an action because the action of hosting someone flows from your attitude of love. So once you begin it, continue to do it. One or two drops of water doesn't make a stream, and so too, being hospitable once or twice doesn't make you hospitable. Hospitality is crucial to the strengthening of the bond between brothers and sisters in Christ. It's vitally necessary work uh, to be done for the work of evangelism. Hospitality is the most effective way to share the gospel with relatives and with friends and with neighbors. If you're not currently practicing hospitality on a regular basis, you're robbing yourself and you're robbing others of the joys of Christian living. Because hospitality is the basic building block for vital Christian living. Now, why is uh, hospitality one of the greatest evangelistic tools of our day? Well, it's one of the most... Uh, it's one of the greatest evangelistic tools of our day because in our day and age, in, in this current society, we, we don't know what families are or should look like anymore. 
We've got a generation of Kiwis that are living out there, growing up, uh, who don't know what a family truly is or how a family should function. So many single mums, so many single dads out there in here as well who come from broken homes. And so it's our duty to, to bring them in, to show them how a loving Christian family can and should function. One of the things that many people comment on when they come to a Reformed church, whether they come out of the community or from another denomination, um, they're amazed that within the Reformed churches there are families, there are teenagers, there are grandparents, all worshipping under the same roof. It blows them away. Because as the church becomes more like the culture around us, even within the church, the family breaks down. This leads to poor practices in the church, a lack of living out of the love of Jesus Christ. So hospitality is the best way to cultivate a strong community within the church where we truly become a church family. It's this bond of love that often draws unbelievers to find out what's different about this church. It says we're bound together as, as, uh, by love and by being a part of one another's lives that we as a church are stronger and more effective in our witness to the society around about us. That's why you should express God's love for others through your hospitality. Well, this brings us to our second point. Uh, who do you host? Who are you to show hospitality to? To strangers? Well, here in verse 2, the term stranger is closely tied to the term brotherly love in verse 1. Well, what does that mean then? Who's the stranger? Well, this passage has mostly got other believers in view, fellow Christians. But the term stranger can also mean anyone that you don't know, right? Same as it means today. And so the question really is the same as asking, who is my neighbor that I am to love? The answer to that is everyone whom the Lord brings into your life, whether Christian or not. Now, Rosaria Butterfield, the author of the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, uh, says that the purpose of hospitality is to make a stranger a friend and to make that friend a family member. Now, will we actually host angels? Uh, in our text it says uh, that through hospitality, uh, some have entertained angels unawares. Well, having angels in our home is not the point of this statement. If you read uh, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, you'll read that, that Jesus Christ didn't come into this world to save angels or to help angels, but rather he came to help mankind. And we're to be imitators of, uh, of Jesus Christ and our love for other people. So why are angels mentioned here? Well, angels are mentioned here because this is a possible result of hospitality. But it's not the reason for showing hospitality. Saying that someone, uh, some have, have unwittingly hosted angels is an encouragement to show hospitality. It lends excitement and weight to the blessing of hospitality. Let me ask you this. 
How many of you see a, a new person in church and get excited about the prospect of having them over? Would you, when you see someone new come into church, get excited about the thought of having them over for lunch? Would the thought of having them over even enter your mind? Now, what if they were poorly dressed? Or something like that. Now you're thinking, no way. But do you see what the author of Hebrews is doing? He says, what if that person is an angel? And by hosting them, you're hosting an angel unawares. Well, now you're excited about the thought of having them over, aren't you? You ought to show hospitality out of love. And so it's better to think of someone as being an angel and, and to treat that guest with the same honor as if they were an angel rather than to risk treating someone unworthily. In the Old Testament, angels literally and physically were hosted. Just think of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. Three strangers come to, to Abraham and he jumps up straight away to give them water and, to, and food and, and to, gives them rest. All these three men are angels. In fact, one of them is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Abraham entertained his future descendant, his Lord and his Savior without even knowing it. We're encouraged to do the same here as our, our father in the faith, Abraham. Because remember Jesus' words in Matthew 25. What you did for one of these, the least of my brothers, you did it to me. It shouldn't matter whether or not someone is an angel. Love should compel you and excite you to have them over. And so you're encouraged to get hospitality happening in the church. You're encouraged to not just have over the people that you, you normally and more naturally gravitate towards. Have everyone over. Visitors to the church, families in the church that you have little or nothing to do with. Everyone. Because the test of the genuineness of God's love in your life is expressed by showing hospitality to all. This brings us to our third point this morning. The gospel comes with a house key. Hospitality is something that you must do as a Christian because it's a key part of promoting and, and maintaining uh, brotherly love. And so when you sign up for a life of, of following and serving your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, well, you just signed on the dotted line of the open home policy. Home is where the heart is, or to take that further, where the gospel is concerned, inviting someone into your home is loving them from your heart. When you welcome them into your home to, to fellowship with you, you're inviting them into the hub of your life. You're inviting them to share with you in everything that God has given you. You're showing them who you are in Jesus Christ. Earlier on in the book of Hebrews, 
Hebrews 11, we're given a list of all the fathers of the faith, aren't we? And we see the, the legacy that they've left behind for us. Hebrews shows us that connection that we have with all who've gone on before us in the faith. We're connected to one another through our connection to Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit. So as we're connected to our forefathers of the faith and the legacy that they leave to all future generations of faith, including us, so too we have our families that we're a part of that also pass on that legacy to the next generation. As I mentioned in the introduction, my grandparents left me a legacy of hospitality. My parents also strove to have a new family over each Sunday for lunch and sometimes for dinner as well. Well, this is my heritage. These are my fathers in the faith as well as in the family, and, and I want to pass that legacy on to my own children as well. Is this a similar witness you've had as well growing up? If yes, then praise the Lord for the faithful generations in your family. Now, maybe many of you here already practice hospitality. Well, I pray then that this sermon is an encouragement to you to continue in it. But if you don't have that legacy in, in your own family history, well, then hear the word of God this morning and make this the heritage, make this the example for you and for your family. That future generations in your family line would, would point to you as the first faithful example of Christian hospitality. Start this new pattern for your households as you seek to express God's love for others. Now maybe you're thinking, yeah, I haven't had that uh, witness to me. Um, I don't even know how to begin this. Well, and let's just consider briefly how to show hospitality. Just a couple of things. Firstly, it doesn't have to be perfectly neat. It doesn't have to be perfectly tidy. Hospitality uh, of the gospel is very ordinary. It's very messy. You live in your home. It should look lived in. Maybe the folded washing is still on the counter. Maybe the toys are still all over the living room floor and everywhere else for that matter. Maybe your front doorstep is broken. Nevertheless, just invite people over. Invite them in. Secondly, the meal doesn't have to be a five-star meal. Maybe you think, well, I can't have someone over because I don't have much in the way of food in the house. Now, in our time in America, one family uh, reminisced to me about the hospitality that was shown to them uh, by another family over there, a Kiwi family. And I said, I couldn't believe it. They invited us over at the Sunday evening service for dinner. And we said to them, are you sure? We've got six children. And they said, yes, come on over. We'll just add more water to the soup. And they did. Just invite people over. Brothers and sisters, I hope you can see just from those two simple things, just, just how simple hospitality can be. All you need is a floor, preferably carpeted, and a little something to feed your guests. All of us need to hear this 
wonderful encouragement, this wonderful command from the Lord to show hospitality because there's so much blessing to be had from God in the act of having others over. Often blessings from people that we least expect. So if you want to find a way to, to encourage other brothers and sisters in their faith, have them over. Because Christian hospitality fans the flames of Christian love in powerful ways. Eating with one another in particular displays one of the most solemn bonds of brotherhood, of sisterhood. Eating together in our homes is a beautiful sign of Christian unity, displaying the love of the brethren and the peace of God. The Apostle Peter calls us to practice hospitality cheerfully because hospitality is one of the most practical vehicles for exercising one's spiritual gifts. How, you might ask? It does this because you are showing love by inviting others into your home. And not only that, but you're signing yourself up for an afternoon or an evening of service, serving your guests self-sacrificially. Parents, through your hospitality, your children will benefit so much from your godly example in showing God's love in this way. Children uh, pick up a lot from having that fellowship, even if the people that you invite over don't have children. They learn firsthand then what it is to serve and love and how to reach out to others. And in listening to that adult conversation, especially when it concerns uh, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in hearts and lives, well, that will strengthen your own children's faith. They'll know the reality of their beliefs because of what they see lived out in the home. Through hospitality, the love of God is shared. People are drawn into the church and the bond of believers is strengthened. Christ's love and his example are boldly proclaimed through simple everyday actions of love and service, of fellowship and care. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord stir in us the excitement to proclaim his love and to proclaim his word in this way, entertaining angels unawares. Start with one act of hospitality and then plan the next one to continue on this new pattern, this new Christian legacy. May God's love to us in Christ be the impetus for us to share that bounty that we all enjoy. May that love then abound in us and through us as we seek to be a congregation of faithful servants in God's kingdom. Amen.